Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. Is everybody having a great week so far? Who's grateful that somebody turned the heat off up in this joint? Bro, it has been a summer. Even the devil was like, "Mm -mm, not the panhandle, not right now. Uh, It's been hot in Florida this year. Hot, hot. And I'm grateful, man. I sat on my back porch last night. I grilled burgers without even sweating. Son, that's a blessing. Amen. I got up this morning. I told Winnie, I'm putting a vest on. She goes, you're going to sweat. I said, I know, but I'm still going to wear a vest. I'm going to eat something that tastes like pumpkin and wear a vest. Feels like fall in Florida. Praise God. Man, so excited. So excited. So just so you know, I'm still the same sweaty guy, just with a vest. All right. Yeah, uh, today, uh, if you would, if you got on open-toed shoes, just pull your toes in a little bit because I'm, I'm going to try to stomp on some toes today. Uh, I'm come, coming for you. And, and you know, um, there's, there's two things you should always be able to find in the local church encouragement and alignment, encouragement and alignment, right? And alignment is the same thing as correction, but with a dose of love, right? We should always be looking to correct. Yes, but with love, it's called alignment, right? Because if I'm just trying to correct, I'm not taking into consideration your trajectory. But with alignment, that means if I just adjust a little bit here, Where you go changes. How you become effective to others changes. And so today, I'm going to give you a shot of hope and some alignment, okay? All right, so we've been talking about the names of God. And before I get into that, I just want to say, Boomer Sooner. Yep, yep, yep. Just want to say, Roll Tide. <laughs> and I guess I want to say woo pig suey. It's been a tough year for the hogs. Just stretch your hand to faith toward any Arkansas fan you may know. Uh, just rough, man. Just rough. Just rough. Uh, but I smell seasons of change coming. Amen. 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 Be praying for change in Arkansas. Hallelujah. And I'm not just talking about the foliage. Amen. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 22. We're going to talk about a name of God that is probably the most misused and misunderstood name of God. Probably the uh, of the alternative names of God, uh, this is probably the one people are familiar with the most. It's been in the most songs. It's been in the most stories. And uh, the name that we're going to study today is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, the God of provision, the God who makes a way. He is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, The first time we see God called Jehovah Jireh uh, is in Genesis chapter 22 in a very unique story um, where Abraham uh, is asked to sacrifice what he loves the most. So to give you some backstory, uh, Abraham uh, had to leave his family 
to travel with God. And one of the blessings he asked for is for children, even though his wife, Sarah, could not have children. And God gave him a promise that he would have children. The problem was, is that when the blessing came, Abraham's focus turned toward the blessing instead of the God of the blessing. Now, I could preach a whole sermon just on that about worshiping the byproducts of God, but it should be our focus to make sure that we're intentional, that our worship and our focus and our intimacy stays on the giver of the gift. Amen. we got to stay focused on that because it's so easy to get caught up in a season where God's blessing and we're overwhelmed with his goodness to just enjoy the benefits but not the giver of the benefits, right? And all too often, we let the benefits consume the time that should be given to the giver of the gifts. And so today, uh, that's why I said pull in your toes, uh, make a little room between you and the seat in front of you because I'm coming through. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to read verse 1 through 14, and then we're going to break it down. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 14. It says, and sometime later, and sometime later, what it's saying is after uh, Isaac was born, uh, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, on the third day. On the third day. Or something about those third days in the scripture you got to watch out for. Anytime a Bible starts telling you something about a third day, you better pay attention. The third day, and it's a day for each of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then when the Bible starts talking about the third day business, something powerful is about to take place, right? Uh, it says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac. Boy, don't miss that. Abraham put the wood for the offering on the back of his son. Can you think of any other place where a father put some wood on his son's back? Anybody? See, there's going to be parallels in this story that I don't want you to miss uh, between Isaac and Christ. And I'm going to break all this down for you in a little bit, but don't miss that. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac, but he himself carried the fire and the knife. Ooh, how deep do you want to go? As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham replied, here I am. He says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, another word for thicket is thorns. There in the thorns, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, on that mountain of the Lord, it is called Jehovah-Jireh, the place of provision. The place of provision. The place where God provided. Now, what's interesting is that there's all kind of cool parallels to the story. And for the sake of time, I can't go into all of them. But what I will show you is the picture is that Abraham had to give his only son, it said twice his only son. And I'm not going to go into Abraham's story because there's some things we could fill in there. But he takes Isaac, what he really loved. And God said, if you really love me more than you love him, be willing to give that up. Can I tell you, if there's anything that you love more than God, you need to reprioritize that. That's a picture of reprioritization, right? The next thing we see is he puts the wood on Isaac's back to go up the mountain uh, we see Jesus carrying the cross up the mountain, right? Then they get to the altar where he's willing to lay down what he loves for God. Missing the picture of the ram uh, can't be done here. We have to make sure we talk about the ram. The ram was caught in the thicket or the thorns. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he have on his head? A crown of thorns, right? So now the sacrifice has a crown of thorns. And he says, this one is acceptable for the sacrifice. And so they took the ram, placed it on the altar, sacrificed it to the Lord, set the fire. Everything seems like it's done. And there's a cool story. The problem is, is if you don't understand the rest of the Bible, you miss even a more beautiful picture. Because on that same mountain, generations later, King David goes to buy a place called the threshing floor of Arana. The threshing floor of Arana. A threshing floor is a place uh, where wheat and chaff is divided. Where things of value and things that are discarded are separated. And so David buys the threshing floor of Arana, and there he builds an altar unto God. Once he builds an altar unto God, a generation later, Solomon on the same mountain builds a temple. Sixteen generations later, Jesus is hung on a cross on the same mountain. Can I tell you, the Old Testament preaches the goodness of God in the New Testament. So if you want to see some very cool backstory, go read all the book of Genesis and begin to find these parallels that take place in the New Testament. Why is it important? Because there are some preachers today that will tell you that the Old Testament's passed away, that it's not necessary. Can I tell you that in the same way you can't eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without both peanut butter and jelly, you can't read the Bible without the New and the Old Testament? 
It takes both. Unless you're just weird, just like a peanut butter sandwich without the jelly. You strange people. Put your little jelly on there. Have you something worth eating, right? The Old Testament testifies. That's why it's called a testament. What does it testify of? Of God's goodness in a season of time and God not changing. Only thing that changed is a different day. And the New Testament begins telling us of a new covenant and a new story. But they all speak to each other and refer back to each other, reminding us that they are knit together for our good. You need the Old Testament. You need the stories. You need the Old Testament. Don't forget that. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19 says this, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So let me paraphrase that. When you walk with God, you learn how to trust God. The more time you spend with God, the more you realize he is worthy of his word. And he's honorable. Whatever he says, you can take it to the bank, right? So it's a powerful thing that Abraham, knowing that God said, go sacrifice your boy. He got eyes up and said, hey, wake up. We got business to handle. Now, I'm sure there were doubts along the way. They traveled for days trying to get to where they were going. And finally, when they got there, I'm sure he was like, okay, Lord, we're getting close. When he started binding his son's hand, I'm sure there was some hesitation there, but he knew God. And he had a promise. Watch this. You have a promise from God. You have a covenant with God. And what God promises, he brings to fulfillment. See, some of you in here, you're heart sick because you think God has forgotten you. The truth is God has not forgotten you. You're in a season of preparing for the promise. Now, this promise for Abraham is that Isaac would be the beginning, a seed to a multitude of generations. As far as the stars are in the sky, that's what we talked about last week. So he knew this promise that God being God could not go back on his word. So he had no problem walking Isaac up there, binding his hand, laying him on the altar, even reared back his hand, and finally God said, okay, I see you understand me. I see you get what I'm laying down. By the way, the real sacrifice is over in the thorns. And at that point, I want you to see this. Not just Abraham, but Isaac gained understanding of God. When you walk in obedience, it's not just for you. It's for the next generation as well. Your children are watching. They're watching. Now, today... um, I could teach on Jehovah Jireh in the way that I've heard it preached to where uh, he is uh, uh, not just a God of provision, uh, but that he is a supernatural piggy bank to where, oh, whatever you need and want. Yeah, I got to do that voice. That's the way I heard it. Yeah, well, Whatever you want and need. <laughs> right? There's always a uh, at the end of the good ones, right? Whatever you want and need, 
He is Jehovah Jireh. Right? But I want to tell you, that is a misrepresentation of Jehovah Jireh. The Bible says that he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. The problem is in America, we have mixed in our wants and desires with need. And because of that, when we pray to Jehovah Jireh and we uh, get a car that takes us from point A to point B, but it has 200 miles instead of zero miles, all of a sudden we didn't get a full blessing. Or maybe instead of God delivering money on our front porch, he gave us a job. Oh, hang on now. Oh, I got a lot uglier stuff than that. And now all of a sudden, well, was that a blessing? Was that a blessing? You better believe it's a blessing. Yeah. So today I want to talk to you about how we should honor Jehovah Jireh in such a way that we trust him for our needs, but that we also give him praise for the wisdom, the understanding, and the stewardship he gave us to have what we need on a daily basis. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me just let me just read it to you. Guys, pull it up. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I believe it's verse 18, that says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Leave that up just for a second, guys. Now watch this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you wealth, and so confirms his covenant. Is that what it says? Remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you every desire to confirm his covenant. Is that what it says? Mm-mm. No, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability, ability to produce. There's two caveats to getting our desires met in this earth. Ability and production. Can I tell you that your lack of finances is not an indictment of God? Oops. Hang on. Hang on. I'm, I'm, I told you, pull your toes in. Your lack of financial substance is not to blame God for. This says that he's given us, who? Us. The ability to produce wealth. The ability, the knowledge, the witty inventions to produce, work, take shots, take opportunities to go get wealth. And the problem is, is that it's been taught that ability and production look like this. Hang on. Hang on. You need to have understanding in this. This is the reason why the church struggles so much financially. Because you're waiting on a miracle that God's already provided. He's given you the ability to produce. So we're, 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 we're looking this way. 
The whole time, heaven's looking this way. I, I've, I've given you opportunity. I've given you health in your bodies. Why don't you have a job? Uh-oh. Pastor getting too real today. Oh, it gets so much worse. Please hang on. People always come and they say, Pastor, I'm struggling for this, this, and this. Okay. We're going to help you. But along with that's going to come a conversation. How much are you paying for Netflix? How many times a week are you eating out? Tim, why are you getting nervous back there? <laughs> Happy birthday, Kim. Can I tell you, a lot of times, our financial problems, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, our financial problems are not a God problem. It's a stewardship problem. Now, I want to say this. There's always things that can come up. Health, medical bills, I get that. But can I tell you, in times to where we've done everything we can do and we fall short, that's when he becomes Jehovah Jireh. Right? So, barring these anomalies, and here's the thing what you have to do today, is you have to bar your own anomalies. You have to ask yourself, is it really that I can't get involved and help the situation? Or is it that I've created a roadblock in my mind that's preventing me from getting involved? I read a story this week about a guy from Australia has no arms, no legs, and makes a million dollars a year marketing products online. So what's your excuse? I've been there. Can I tell you, I complain almost every day about something hurting. I'm 44 now. I can do that. Especially my kids. I'll never forget when I was little, Maddie would run in the room. She'd say, popcorn, daddy. I was like, no, it's just the joints. <laughs> Be crawling out of bed. Pop, 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 pop. Sounds like popcorn, daddy. I'll stick around. It's going to smell like Ben Gay in a minute. <laughs> Menthol, baby, menthol. What I want you to see is this. Faithfulness and stewardship, when you put those things into action in your life, God says he's commanded the blessing on you. He said he's given you the ability. He's given you the ability to go and produce what you need. Right? And let me say this, because I also, uh, growing up, I heard pastors uh, say stuff like, go and put your hand on a Rolls Royce and just claim it. Well, you can do that all day long. But until there's either a loan or some cash, it ain't yours. Right? And so I heard people say things like this on TV where they'd say, fake it till you make it. What kind of trash is that? 
How about you uh, work a steady job? How about that miracle that God has given you an opportunity to earn for your family? That's a blessing. I think everybody in America, you should have to choose uh, Vietnam, Africa. You should have to choose and go see other countries. They are literally dying to get the opportunity you wake up with every day. God, I'm just waiting on you. I'm just waiting on you. You got to wait on me. I've already done my part. You've got the ability to produce. So where does Jehovah Jireh come in? Where does Jehovah Jireh come in? We do our best to produce with the abilities God gave us. All right, I'm going to step on one more toe before I go that route. I get this a lot too. Well, I've been doing X, Y, and Z, and God's just not blessing me now. He's saying now other people in my office are getting blessed, but I'm not getting blessed. Well, baby, it's probably because you're in the wrong office. You might be in the wrong industry. Can I tell you, there is a good and acceptable and a perfect plan of God. There's stuff that will just pay your bills, but you are created and designed to do one thing better than 99.9% of other people. Go find that thing and get busy. But so many people want to watch somebody else's wealth stack up and say, ooh, I can go do that. Dale, I can't build a house. I mean, I could, but I can't build a house like you can build a house. You're gifted. You and your wife have an anointing with real estate. I don't mess with it. I mean, I, I live in a house, but I don't sit back and sit here thinking, you know, boy, Dale, praise God, Dale sold a house and probably put a few dollars in his pocket. Praise God, I, I should go build houses like Dale. You know why? Because me and Dale had a two-hour conversation at Lowe's one time, and I heard the frustration and the pressure that he deals with sometimes dealing with what he deals with. He's cut out for that pressure. I'm not. And all too often, I look at his blessing, and I don't look at his burdens. We'll say it again. We get so busy watching other people's blessings that we forget their burdens. And so we, you know, just skipping through life. Ooh, I want to go be a millionaire. I'm going to go do this. So-and-so's a millionaire. I can do what they do and be a millionaire. No, you can't. You can't do what they do. But they can't do what you can do. I have so many people, man, we struggle. As believers, because we have these preconceived notions that just because it's somebody else's, it can be ours. Can I tell you, somebody may have an anointing in real estate. That don't mean you can be a successful realtor. Somebody can make a million dollars changing oil on vehicles. That don't mean you need to go out and open an oil shop. What it means is, is you need to get busy in prayer and focus and meditation, figuring out what it is God has put you here to do. It's okay, Pastor. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow, and I'm going to go pray and meditate. Mm -mm. <laughs> nope. Nope. Work until you see his will. You have responsibilities. Work. Do what you're asked to do.
Take care of your responsibilities. And I also want to throw this out to you. This is free wisdom. No charge. You can get across the river one of two ways. You can either lower the water or you can raise the bridge. Now, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That means you can also gain increase by lowering what you're spending. It's not, the answer's not always more. That's a lie we bought in America, by the way. The answer's not always more. Wendy and I the other day was looking. We was paying Amazon Prime for their movies, Netflix for their movies. We was paying uh, Disney for their movies. We was paying, we was paying four or five people for their movies. I said, how many can we watch at the same time? I said, how about this? How about this? Why don't we turn them all off? But one, watch everything you want to watch on that one. Shut that bad boy off. Jump on the next one next month. Saved us $85, $90 a month. I said, dad, gone. Man, we can, how about this? How about before you get on Amazon to buy something brand new, you put it out to your brothers and sisters on Facebook in Christ, and you say, hey, does anybody have one of these they want to sell? I got stuff in my house collecting dust you could probably use. And I'll be honest with you, before I'd sell it to you, I'd invest it in you. Me and Bobby was laughing the other day. Uh, my neighbor, he's got a box halfway down his driveway. And uh, I picked his little girls up on the Polaris. We was driving down. We going to check the mail. And uh, they love riding that Polaris. And we pull up to the box and open it up. And they said, it's empty. I can't believe it. It's empty. Went to the mailbox. It's empty too. I just almost began to weep for Bobby in praise. No bills, no packages being delivered. Glory to God. This man is being a good steward financially. And I pulled up and I told Bobby, I said, hey, you got no packages and you got no mail. He went, praise God. He said, man, that's the first time in a long time. I ain't going to talk about my house. I'm going to talk about Bobby's house, Wendy, uh, where there ain't no packages on the front porch from Amazon. Glory, glory, glory. It's whole, whole forests have been destroyed from my house, just in the cardboard boxes alone. Amazon. That's where I'm going to have to live when it's over. <laughs> in a cardboard box. Hang on to a few of them boxes. You might need them. <laughs> Can I tell you, God's given you wisdom. He's giving you wisdom. And a lot of times when we talk about fleeing the ways of the world, we get caught up being so worried about sin that we miss out on all the other benefits not being like the world could look like. You don't have to be in debt financially. You don't have to have what the neighbors have. That's a lie. That's a lie. You don't have to spend everything you make. That's a lie. You don't have to have every streaming channel. That's a lie. Until it's football season, and that's God's promises to a man. (laughs) 
that's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> but you know what we start doing? Tell the truth. The minute football season's over, we shut that bad boy off. We shut it off. I'm going to give them my money just till the Razorbacks blow it in a bowl game, and then I'm turning it off. And it usually takes the rest of the year to heal before I'm ready to see it again. My point is this. God is Jehovah Jireh. He will meet your needs in such wonderful ways to show his loving kindness. But here's the end of the story. Is that if he never gave you another thing, if he never blessed you with another scent, if you had to live eating tree roots and sleeping under tree limbs for the rest of your life, he's still worthy of praise. So Jehovah Jireh and him being a God of provision in your hearts and in your minds should not be tied to your level of blessing. It shouldn't. Because things and possessions should not be tied to your blessing either. In America, man, we have a lot of good things. Amen. But one of the things we have to change as believers is our minds toward finances. Can I tell you, God wants to bless you not so you can get more boxes on your porch. He wants to bless you so that you can begin to pour into other people's lives. So that when he says, hey, so-and-so has a need, that you can say, hey, I'm available and I have what they need. Let me go meet that need. Let me just make it personal. So when God says, hey, I want to build a Hope Center in Crestview, you can say, hey, I can do my part. Right? Y'all got real quiet when I said that. Can I tell you, God blesses us so that we have what we need, but then we can be faithful and we can literally show God's loving kindness to other people through our giving. Don't you want, who wants to be blessed that much to where you just pour out on other people so much that they say, well, God is in that person's life. There are families in this church that are that way. They can't hear of a need without investing. They can't hear of a need without wanting to get involved. I praise God for that. I pray that the blessings of God would overwhelm each of us in such a way that we have to give it away. We just can't contain it. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that test God. He says, give. He said, I'll open up the windows and pour out a blessing from heaven that your storehouses can't even contain it. The whole thing started with Abraham's obedience. See, we want to talk about blessings in the church, but... You start talking about obedience, nobody wants to play anymore. You start talking about what's on our end, we don't want to play anymore. And I just want to tell you, in America, you're probably never going to go hungry. Right? We've got systems and structure for that. But I want you to know this. Without you understanding kingdom finances, true kingdom finances, is understanding that he's given you the ability to produce. If you're not taking the gift that you have and making an effort, no guarantee for you. That's just, that's not me, that's the word. But I want you to see this. When you act in good stewardship, it's not just so that we can amass and amass and amass and amass and amass and get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. No, it's so that we can sow seed in different soil and watch it sprout and give blessings to other people. 
right? So today as I close, I want you to understand this. The story of Abraham in Genesis 22 would have never gotten started without this. Abraham. Here I am, God. Get up. Okay, I'm up. Go cut some wood. There's a sacrifice that needs to be made. Okay. Chop some wood. Now go to the land of Moriah. And when you get there, I'll show you where you need to go. Now think about that. Step by step. Increment of obedience by increment of obedience. One bigger than the rest. One of them, will you respond to even a hello? Abraham, here. Get up. Okay, I'm up. Go cut wood. Okay. Travel three days to Moriah. Okay. You see the picture? What would have happened if he had said, Abraham, travel three days to Moriah, first thing, right out of the gun. Abraham probably still been obedient because he knew God, but he wouldn't have had what he needed along the way. He said, make provision for you, your servant, and take Isaac with you. So it took him a couple days to get everything together. And so when he went, he went with a preparation. He went with understanding that it would take his effort to carry him along the way. Ultimately, though, the blessing was from the Lord. So be obedient in the little things. And as God reveals himself, which he always does, he'll ask more of you. And then be obedient in those things. And then he'll ask a little more of you. You see, in in our house today, it's unique because in the same household, think about this. He said, Josh, here I am. I need you to start a move. Call it Hope City. Okay. I need you to buy some land. Uh, <laughs> uh, with what? Just go looking for land. And then boom, 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 boom. Provided the finances for it. And then the next step, he says, Josh, uh-huh. I need you to build something. Okay. Uh, it's going to be about three million bucks. Uh-huh. Need you to start getting plans together. Okay. Three million? Okay. You see, he was God the first time he said, Josh. So now when he says a building for three million, that don't scare me. But in my same house, here's the beauty. Hey, Nora. Yes, Lord. I want you to get baptized. Okay. Dad, can I get baptized? Why? Because I think God wants me to. Let's do it. That's happening today, by the way. So see, even in your house, God has a unique request for you.
even under your roof, you have a unique path. But it's a path of obedience. It's a path of trusting God. And even when it looks like you're going to lose something that you can never get back, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham knew God so well that even if he killed Isaac, he would raise him from the dead. There is no loss in walking with Christ. Even when we lose, we win. Philip and Sherry Boudreau talked to them this week. Philip lost his mother this week. I met her a couple times. Man, she was an incredible lady. She carried a mantle of the Holy Spirit in a very unique and powerful way. He called me a few nights ago and he says, my mom's dying. I said, well, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, but I want you to know something. Uh, your mom has lived an incredible life. And she has been obedient. And she has loved the Lord. And she's done things the right way. Philip, huh. there's a lot of times I pray for God to spare life. I don't think I can pray that for her. And I said, the reason why is her inheritance is so beautiful. And it's waiting for her now. He began to tell me how her transition was beginning and how she had started seeing people that she hasn't seen and they passed away 20 years ago. You ever heard of that kind of stuff happening? It's incredible. And here's what was happening in the spirit. The bandstands of heaven were aligned and God had called an all call. Everybody who knows Miss Boudreaux gather at the gate. Everybody began to come and the gate opened and a few people, I guess, slipped out because she's laying in her bed with hospice nurses around her. And she begins to call names that they didn't even know, but that they knew because ancestors had told them. She begins to see her husband and, and she said, well, I guess we're off to Vegas and I guess that's where they spent their honeymoon and they were off to Vegas and we're gonna go here. And she starts talking about these wonderful times she spent with people and all this. And Philip told me, he said, I, that, I don't know how to reconcile that. I said, here's how you reconcile it. God is faithful and his love endures throughout generations and that it endures to the very end. That our obedience comes with a massive payout. It's called heaven. And at the end of the day, the story of Jehovah Jireh, the biggest provision God could have ever made is the provision of eternity. Ever. There's nothing bigger than eternity. So the provision God made for us, when we worship him, we say, I worship you, Jehovah Jireh. We're saying, I thank you that even at the end of my life, it's not over. Death has lost its sting. I don't fear what other people fear. I don't have to be afraid anymore because Jehovah Jireh has made a way for me where there was no way. Friend, when you begin to recognize that Jehovah Jireh, everything changes. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you when it's rightly divided. Uh, we gain knowledge. We gain understanding, but we also gain peace. We gain increase because we recognize that stewardship and obedience walk hand in hand. So help us. 
Help us not to indict you anymore by playing with your name like it's some kind of slot machine. You're not a piggy bank. You've given us the ability to produce. And if we're not producing, it's not because you haven't done your part. Help us be faithful in that. Lord, you'll bless the the hand of the diligent. That's what your word says. So help us to be diligent. Help us to be good stewards. And Lord, if we're maybe, maybe we're laboring in the wrong field, put us in the right field. Put us in the right place at the right time to do what you've called us to do, what you've created us to do. Because in that field, nobody can outproduce us. Thank you for that. So bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Whatever you've blessed us with, you've drawn us to it, and you're going to continue to bless us with it. I thank you, Lord, that this week is going to be a week of revelation and wisdom for us, that we're going to assess what it is. Can we raise the bridge? Can we lower the water? What is it you're calling us to do? so that we can be a blessing to others. I thank you for that wisdom. I thank you for that understanding today. Bring us back next week with more of your word and more of your wisdom locked away in our hearts and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.